And then one night, Fran was with the kids. I had the house to myself. I mowed the lawn. I cleaned the pool. And I thought, it's time to have that first scotch on the rocks and that cigar, you know, poolside. And I don't know, Wes, if you're a scotch drinker, but I mean, I took that first sip and I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> well, hey, guys, welcome back to the podcast. You know, my, uh, my motivation for the Kingdom Business Podcast is simply to put a tool around you that can inspire you, train you, lead you. Um, and one of my favorite things to do is put people in front of you that have built actual businesses. These are people that have got two criteria. They love the Lord and they've built an actual business. And, um, and then I quiz them on the story. And, uh, and, uh, and then for you, it, you know, it should help you kind of understand the journey of what success looks like and help you on your own journey. So today I'm joined with Briggs Sorber, who uh, is, has built a phenomenal business, um, mostly in the US, but a little bit, uh, a little bit broader than that. Um, and, uh, and we're gonna hear from a guy that is incredibly humble, um, started from scratch, which will be very inspiring from everybody that bootstrapped a business from day one, um, and through thick and thin, because it hasn't always been rosy, has built a great business today. So, Brig, we really appreciate you giving up your time there in Michigan. Why don't you tell us straight off the bat who is Brig Sorba? Wow, Wes, I wish I somebody could tell me who I am. Um, <laughs> starting route, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I'm Brig Sorber, uh, born in Michigan, uh, born into a blue collar family. Um, and it's a blue collar family that lacked God, but it was a good family. My mom and dad worked really hard and worked us up from the uh, from, the, from the blue collar um, up to the, uh, you know, upper middle class before they got uh, divorced. And so uh, we didn't have a lot of God in our family, but we did learn to work and uh, we worked hard. And um, our business started uh, with a 66 Ford pickup truck um, that we bought from Michigan State University. Uh, it was an old, old agricultural truck uh, we bought for uh, $200, uh, 200 US dollars. I don't know what that means in your, where you are, but it's pretty cheap. Um, power nothing on this truck. It had a hole in the floor about the size of a softball. And then you could see the road. Um, but we moved everything in that truck. And um, we used the truck really to start. Um, you know, we, we had a lawn mowing business. And we used to haul our lawnmowers behind our bikes. But once we got the truck, we were able to throw those lawnmowers in the back and kind of increase our business. And then we started uh, moving yard waste and things to the dump. And uh, that's when we really started to realize, hey, there's a little bit more money in actually moving stuff than there is mowing lawns. And uh, from there, we went to a uh, about a 15 foot uh, step van. And that's when we started moving things for, uh, you know, we looked more like a, like a moving company, uh, moving uh, small homes, um, apartments, uh, used furniture rental or used furniture deliveries. Um, as far as Briggs Sorber, the student, uh, I wasn't an exceptional student, uh, but I like to work. Um, I did graduate from college uh, with a urban planning and land use regulation degree. Um, when I talked with our movers back in the day, I would ask them, do you know what that is? And they would say no. And I'd say, well, I didn't, I didn't either, but I graduated with it. <laughs> um, but the point being is, uh, you know, I, and when I would talk to my movers, I would tell them that my goal is never to be a mover. And um, but lo and behold, I mean, that's what uh, God set in front of me. Um, and I, I learned about people. Um, I learned, you know, through the jobs that you have, don't ever think that you're in a dead end job. There's always something to learn as you go. And so 
lo and behold, I learned a lot about people and about emotions and by moving furniture and people would say, how can that be? But it's, it's really when you're moving furniture, you're probably in a distressed situation. Um, maybe you're, maybe you just got married. Maybe you just got divorced. Maybe you're moving into, um, uh, you know, maybe assisted living that you're moving out of a home that you've been in for 50 years. You need to learn how to deal with these people. And so from a mover, um, I started to, um, I, I got into marketing the franchises and I started bringing new franchises in. Um, I was very good at that because of the things that I learned on the operations side of the business. Um, and as I was bringing more people into our business, I was building relationships with them. And so when I became a vice president, then I became a, um, you know, and then I, I became the president and became the president and CEO. And then people would ask, how could you do this without ever taking a single business class in college? You do that by learning from where you are at that place and at, and at time. And so it worked out extremely well for me. So that's in a nutshell, kind of uh, uh, who I am. I'm not a crazy talented person, um, but I'm, I showed up every single day uh, and I worked hard and really invited our employees into the adventure of business. And I think that's key. So what year was that? What year was that first truck? That first truck was probably in uh, 1978. Uh, I was driving that pick. That was a good year, Brig. That was a good year. Was that the year you were born? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a young lad. Um, <laughs> no, that's funny. It was, um, yeah, probably 78. Uh, I drove that. That was my first vehicle. I drove that. Uh, to high school. And that was back before Americans really pride themselves in their truck, but not back in that age. I mean, that was for a guy like me driving a truck. That was really odd to see that, but that old truck and I had a lot in common. We had a lot of holes in us, but we were dependable. (laughs) So when did you become two men in a truck? When was that business? What was that? What was day one of that? Yeah. Great question. Um, Well, we started out um, and then my brother named the business uh, men at work movers by, you know, by, kind of the that whole thing with, uh, with, with the Aussie band. Um, yeah. And uh, we call ourselves Men at Work Movers. We would charge $25 an hour. And our first ad would read, um, Men at Work Movers, two men in a truck, 25 bucks an hour. And it was my mom that said, why don't you drop your name, um, Men at Work Movers, and just call yourselves what you are, two men in a truck. So that's where our name came from. And then my mom, we would take $3 from every job that we would do. And we would put it in this old candy dish. And that candy dish sat at my work at, at my office uh, for years and years. Um, we put $3 into that. And that was our advertising fund. And so my mom drew, she took a Sharpie marker and a napkin and drew a cartoon truck with two stick men in it. And she taped that onto that candy dish to tell people, hey, that's two men of trucks money. That's where our logo came from. Yeah. So for all your listeners over there. If you get anything out of this talk, take this thing. Always listen to your mom, right? <laughs> well, she made you a lot of money with that name change. Um, there's a couple of things. That, so, so was that the 80s that you made that? Was that more like the 80s then? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because so I'm trying to work did, out. I'm trying to work out if it was actually two boys in a truck rather than two men in a truck. Oh, oh, hell yeah. It was two boys yeah, in a truck. I'm doing the maths going, that's not two men in a truck. That's oh, still two oh. boys. <laughs> times we would show up and people would open the door and they would just drop their head 
and this happened to us all the time. So I'm not a big guy and, and my brother isn't either. And they, I would say, is there something wrong, ma'am? And she'd say, yeah, we, we hired two men in the truck and I, I don't want to sound mean, but we got two boys. And I'd say, okay, I understand. I'll tell you what, give us 15 minutes to work. And um, if, if we're not doing the job, we'll call the office and get some bigger guys out. And they would always say yes. So John and I would go down in the basement and grab uh, the freezer, which every house in Michigan has a freezer in the basement and it's the black hole. It's like, if anything rolls underneath it, you'll never see it again. Right. We move those things all the time. So my brother and I would, uh, we would pad strap and, um, and haul that thing up the stairs and put it on the truck and, and they were, their eyes would just bug out. We'd throw a chair over our shoulder and carry that out. And by that time they were apologizing up and down and, but we were happy because we knew that out of their guilt, we get a good tip out of it. <laughs> uh, but the funny part was, Wes, is uh, there was no office and there was no bigger guys. It yeah. was just us. Yeah. We were walking a tightrope without a net there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh, hey. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Listen, I'm just here training a group here in this room, but I need you to subscribe to my channel. Guys, do you think they should subscribe to the channel? Yeah! Guys, please subscribe um okay so that's cool um you put three dollars from every job in a, on a tin if it's a one hour job you actually put 12 and a half percent of your money away on marketing oh absolutely yeah so that's really interesting as a concept because i get most people struggling with putting any money in marketing let alone possibly 12 and a half percent of your revenue yeah i don't you know what it was just important to us we had um and the first thing that we did was is we had a our, this didn't cost any money, but uh, we, we did run our first ad in a, in a weekly paper called the Town Courier, and that was important to us. Um, that's where most of that money went to. But we also had um, a, a billboard that we made with rip-off numbers, and we put that at the local grocery store. And uh, that, that would produce as well. Uh, but we found out early, though, even as boys running this business, is referrals were key. And uh, both my brother and I were pleasers. And uh, so it was very important to us that that, uh, that we did the job, the people were happy. And if we had friends working with us, they had to keep the, you know, they had to meet that bar. Now, nobody could be lazy on those trucks. And as our, as our uh, business grew and grew, we added, uh, we started franchising. We incorporated the business in 1985. And then it was my mom who franchised the business in 1989. And then from 1989 up until we sold it last year, um, you know, we've got 380 locations in the U.S. now, uh, 29 in Canada, uh, one in U.K., um, and one in Ireland. And um, it's continuing to grow, but it is still that attention to detail that I think has allowed that business to grow like it did. And so I think my, my latest research on you, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but group revenue is a, was about $580 million? Um, it was actually last year about 730 million. Yeah, that's a, it's a solid number. We were doing uh, last year, we did about 640,000 moves just last year alone. Yeah, wow. Averaging almost three moves every minute of every hour of every day, 24 7. That's and this is a kicker. I had a, a guy um, last year in finance say, Brig, if you lined up all of our, our trucks in our system from bumper to bumper, we would have an un an unbroken chain of over 25 miles long. And um, every now and then when you're building a business, your head's down, you're grinding. And yeah. then every now and then somebody will give you something. You go like, wow, how the hell did that happen? You know, 
Yeah, so I, I kind of want to paint that picture for our listeners, right? 700 and something million, 10,000 plus staff, I'm assuming, if I just run some quick numbers on, on how many it would take for you to get across that, that kind of you know, volume. But it wasn't always rosy, right? So you were running, by my calculations, for about 15 to 20 years, and then you looked, like you were just saying, sometimes you got your head down and you don't really think, you looked up in about 2008 and realized that the business was in a bit of a mess. It was, yeah. I, I kind of want to go back to that time and go, well, what happened and what did you learn? Yeah, oh man, I've got some, I've got some doozies here. Um, these are things that you're not gonna learn in college, okay? These are things that when you're grinding every day, these are the things that happen, but we were the darling of, of franchising. The, the uh, IFA, the International Franchise Association, uh, thought the world of us, um, Lansing, Michigan, we were the, you know, the darling business. We were growing uh, hand over fist, uh, but really the infrastructure of the business really wasn't growing. And so it, it was like in that, that boom time, like in 2005, 2006, even our uh, franchise, uh, our, um, our customer service reps who answered the phone, there was so much moving going on that they became order takers. Um, they didn't even have to sell the business. It was just a matter of putting, plugging people in. When the recession hit, um, all of a sudden, people started uh, shopping us for price. And the people that were answering our phones didn't know how to deal with that. And so we were losing things. Uh, and in 2008, Wes, when, um, when the internet was starting to play and people were starting to use the internet. Um, and I take this as, as our corporate office's fault, my fault. We didn't really train our franchises how to handle uh, internet leads. And so these leads were coming in and our franchisees weren't checking them. And, uh, or they, people would get on our website. It was so clunky that they would get picked off of it or it would freeze up and it would boot them out. And so what we, what we found is we were losing more and more business. And we found out that our closing ratios were really, really bad. It's like, what is going on? And so we hired this company to come in. This is right when I took over as, as a present CEO what's going on? So all these leads that were coming in, this company sent emails back out to them. Like, why didn't you use two men in a truck? And the answer was you suck. It was like, you don't answer your phones. You don't answer uh, the, the emails. I keep getting bounced off of your website. You're horrible. And it was like, this was right, right during the recession. And it was like, that is awesome. Um, because a lot of businesses during the recession were like, we're, it's doom and gloom. Nobody's doing anything. But for me, I looked at, no, they're not using us because we suck. Yeah. Let's just suck. That's less. controllable. Let's suck less, you know, <laughs> the book, good to great. I don't care about that. Throw that out. Let's write a new book called let's suck less. You yeah. know, it's, I mean, we had the JD power trophies from, you know, from the years past. And I, I walked in the office it dawned on me. I was shaving. I, don't, I got a beard now, but I was shaving back then. And I was, I went in the mirror. I looked at myself and went, Brid, you suck. You know, kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, I walked in the office. I told Norma at the front desk, I said, I want all those JD power trophies put in the closet with the Christmas ornaments. And she goes, why? And I go, because we suck. She's like, okay. And then I, I got all my executives together and I just said, look, this is what's going on. Um, we suck. We got to get better and let's figure out, let's figure this thing out. And uh, that's what we did. And we hired this company and uh, we, they came in and they looked at every single process that we had. They said every damn process from when that phone rings 
to how you answer it, to what's talked about, to how they book a, a move, to how the movers get there. And we wrote this thing out, it was 12 feet long. And then we started looking at it and going, where are the bottlenecks? Where are the problems? And uh, the first problems were we had the wrong people answering the phone. Um, these are good people. And many of them we were able to put in other places in the business, but you know, you need ass kickers on that phone. You need people, you, you know where you find them Wes? Go into the store and those ladies that sell perfume, like at the perfume counter, get people like that, that can bring people in that can talk to people. We did have some really good uh, customer service reps we call CSRs. And so what we did is we profiled them and we found out what they were, what they were all about. And then what we did is we asked those on to the rest of the franchises so they could hire people like these people. So that's how we started to suck less was get people on there. Yeah, we are the most expensive, but you know what? We're also the best value there is. And so when we start talking about that, we start closing more deals. And so when you go through and take an iron and iron out all your processes and find out all your issues, all of a sudden we started growing towards the end of the recession. Yeah. So, okay, so you went internally to the processes, right? And mapped yeah. those out. What about your own leadership around that time? What happened there? Yes. Man, you did read my stuff. Um, <laughs> well, early, early, Wes, what happens is, um, when this happens to a lot of companies, is you start, and I see it in, in companies around that I work with, and I cringe. What a lot of companies will do is they'll take really good frontline employees and they will move them up into their system. And pretty soon they, they, they get up into the hierarchy of that system. It doesn't mean they can't do it. But in most cases, you have to have specific skill sets to run marketing, specific skill sets uh, to run IT. Um, and what happened is we had a lot of frontline people work their way up and they got to a ceiling where they couldn't learn anymore. And so then what you start doing is you start putting patchwork stuff together to make it happen. And so, um, what I did is I had a, a, a few of the people that I knew that I was going to grow with and we sat down and we took a look at the whole org chart that we had and uh, it, it really wasn't much of one. Again, it was no knock on, on, my, on the family before me. It was more that every, we were just running and gunning like cowboys um, and then we had to put processes together. We had to get specific skill sets in these places and so what we had to do is uh, pull people out and, uh, and bring new people in from the outside. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then I think one of the biggest things too was in IT, we started to um, grab um, just information um, from uh, our, 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 our customers, our franchisees. And we had all this information about how do you use it? You know what I mean? And we really started to uh, computerize and customize. And that's when you can start doing good moving at massive volume is when you can start doing that. Yeah, great. Um, so somewhere along the way, um, I'm assuming that your own wealth journey got its big tick and, and you probably had more than you needed, I'm assuming somewhere. Um, yeah. I kind of want to explore that. Walk with the Lord, material wealth, the trappings that come with building a big business, the downsides to those, what was that oh, journey? That was that journey like, like what, what were the temptations, I guess? Um, and, you know, cause obviously there's people listening that are earlier on in the journey than you um, or, and later on in the journey. And so I kind of want to 
I kind of want to highlight, right? So what are some of the mistakes you made possibly financially um, and, and so forth to kind of set them on a path to not repeat it? Yeah, it started out, you have to understand that um, I got my uh, girlfriend pregnant. I'm, I'm going way back here um, in college. And, I, and uh, we ended up, thank God she married me because she's way smarter than I am. Um, we've been married for 36 years now. Uh, so we started with nothing. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, our first baby, uh, I had to use wealth. We had to use welfare to have this baby born. Wow. And I had this, I was just afraid of being poor. And this is a guy that has, has worked his tail off. Um, so my goal in life was not to be poor. And my goal was, uh, to make money. Cause to me, money was freedom. And so when, when we started working, when we, we both graduated from college, um, she's, she was the smarter of us too, but she stayed home to raise, uh, our daughter, Alicia, and um, I worked three jobs. I went from weighing 170 pounds. And I graduated from uh, college to 140 pounds that following fall, uh, just working. Um, you know, I'm going to skip all these things to get to two men in a truck. Uh, when I started, uh, you know, when we opened our first two men in a truck franchise up in Ishpeming, Michigan, it's up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. It's old mining town. Um, we carved that business in, into a society of do-it-yourself type people. Uh, we worked really, really hard. Um, and we started, we started making money. And that is when I really felt like, okay, we're going to make it. And I was going to, my wife is number 12 out of 14 kids, uh, strong Catholic. Um, again, I never went to church. Uh, I started going to church with her, uh, the priest, I promised the priest that I would take the CCD classes and become Catholic. So after about four years of marriage, I went, well, I better do that. So I did that. And, um, but my faith was pretty stagnant. It was all about making money. Um, moving the story forward, uh, my sister was running the company with my mom and they asked me to move down to Lansing, Michigan, where it all started and uh, to market the franchises there and to help Melanie, my sister, uh, run the business. And the money started to come. And it was like, oh, finally, man, I, I made it. We're not living hand to mouth anymore. You know, we bought a, uh, a brick ranch house with in-ground swimming pool and um, I'm going to tell you, Wes, I really thought I made it, you know, and I wasn't really sure how, how wealthy guys acted. So I, I thought, well, you know, so I bought an Audi A4, um, you know, sports car. I thought, uh, you know, a sophisticated German car. Um, I got a Frank Sinatra CD to play in it. Um, cause I thought that was a really sophisticated sound, even though I didn't listen to Frank Sinatra. Um, I got a bottle of Johnny Walker black. Cause I thought, you know, rich guys drink scotch, um, <laughs> And wanted to join a, you know, a club where I could rub elbows with other rich guys and tell war stories about our businesses. I mean, I really thought I was there. And then one night, Fran was with the kids. I had the house to myself. I mowed the lawn. I cleaned the pool. And I thought, it's time to have that first scotch on the rocks and that cigar, you know, poolside. And I don't know, Wes, if you're a scotch drinker, but I mean, I took that first sip and I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> uh, wasn't I expected. I remember pouring uh, ice and everything into the grass with the drink. I thought, oh, crap, I hope it doesn't kill my grass. And I thought to myself, well, I can drink pink squirrels. Who cares, man? I'm still wealthy. I'm still successful. And I finished my cigar, and I thought, it's going to take me a while, you know, to get used to this. And I'm going to tell you, Wes, that next morning I woke up, and I felt a pit in my stomach. Um, it was like a depression. Um, I couldn't figure it out. And uh, it wouldn't go away. And um, I had it for a long time. And it didn't make any sense because the business was on fire. We were adding franchises. We were on the Oprah Winfrey show. And, uh, you know, 
and uh, so the Oprah Winfrey had had uh, my picture along with my families on her show. I had friends calling up, family calling up. Um, my kids were doing great in their new school, making their new sports teams. The money was good. And my wife kept looking at me like, what is your deal? I mean, this is everything we've wanted. And why aren't you happy? And it, you know, and let your listeners figure this out. Imagine if you had everything you wanted and you weren't happy. It makes absolutely no sense. And so <clears throat> I told Fran, I said, I probably have cancer. And she's like, what? I said, well, what else could it be? And she's like, rolled her eyes like you're an idiot. Um, she made, she sent me a, she's uh, set up an appointment with a doctor. And I went to see a doctor and he just went, you know what, bro, you're fine. It's um, guys your age uh, and with the stress they have, they're dealing with depression. He just gave me pills for it. And it was like, depression's real. And people and your listeners that know people have it or if they have it, I'm not downplaying it. Um, it's a real deal. And I know people that have it and they need that medication. But for me, no, I was, I was a happy dude up until like a month ago, you know? So I didn't take it. And then, uh, and then I told Fran about that. She goes, why don't you go downstairs and start working out again? You haven't lifted. And, I, and since we moved back, and I said, you know, let's, let's do that. I'm going to do that. This is what happened. I went down to my workout bench. I went to lift and my, all the energy left my arms and my hands fell over my eyes. And I just, it was man sobbing big time. I mean, I, and I'm not a crier. It's like, what the hell's going on? And I just thought, God, I just prayed to God. Why? everything I prayed for, you given me more than what I've asked for. And now I feel like dying. You know what, why, what, what is this, you know? And I cleaned myself up, went upstairs, got up the next morning and just the day a lot like today in Michigan, uh, cloudy, windy, cold. I went to the office and there was, I jumped online uh, to check the news before I got into work. And there was a, um, it was a, an ad for a, these books called the left behind series of books. I don't know if you've heard of those, uh, Tim LaHaye, um, basically what happened if revelation were to happen now, if Jesus came back now and took all of the believers and, and then left all the non-believers, what that would look like that caught my attention. Cause it was like, well, I'm a good guy. I mean, I, Fran, and I give money to a multitude of charities. I mean, I, I don't hang out at bars. I don't chase women around. I coach the kids teams. <clears throat> Excuse me. I wouldn't be left behind, would I? So I started reading those books and I liked them. The main reason I liked them, it took my mind off my despair. Um, and so it was kind of like a little reprieve. And then it started talking about the Bible, quoting the Bible. And I thought, is this real or not? You know, so I blew the dust off a of Bible house and I, I looked up some of the quotes they had in there and they weren't word for word, but they were, they were pretty spot on. Then I told myself, maybe you should be reading the Bible, Greg. And so I would go into the office in the morning and I would read, uh, I would pray for 10 minutes and then I'd read the Bible for 20 minutes. And I got into a cadence of this. And then at night, I would the left behind series. And it took about a year, but that, that feeling just started to go away. And then that's when I realized what I'm missing is a true relationship with Jesus Christ. And it changed my life. And I'm going to tell you what, Wes, <clears throat> when I took over Two Men in a Truck as president and CEO, we were having all kinds of issues that I just explained to you. I remember praying, God, let's work on your moving business today. If you can do this to my life, can you do this to our business? And he can. And I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be talking with you if it was just me. It was um, 
bringing God into the adventure of the business. That's awesome. That's awesome. You you effectively got to walk out, um, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you because you kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing your story. You, you were kind of doing it without the Lord in your own strength and you got to the point where you realized this is massively empty, right? And that's a huge lesson because there'd be people that are listening right now who might be thinking, well, I'm good with God, right? I'm good with God. I, I go to church, I pray. But they're still seeking for themselves and they maybe unknowingly, but their motivation is themselves, their bank balance, their status, pride, whatever, to a degree. And as soon as, and the Lord had to basically take you down to be able to build you back up by the sounds of it. And now it was for him and his moving business, which is a, it's such an easy thing to say and such a hard thing to mean. Um, And then here we go, right? Smile comes back on your face and, and come through to today. And the business is probably bigger than you could have ever done on your own strength but you didn't do it for your own interest. You know, and this is what it looks like, Wes. When I started uh, working for, uh, started two men in a truck, um, I was a guy that didn't believe in God. And what does that look like? Um, It's a guy with, with with, I I didn't have enough. It's like, I had to hoard everything. I had had to hoard money. I I had to hoard uh, power. Um, I, I kept everything to myself. And then from there, I went to another place and that's where I brought God into the business. That's where I prayed about the business. That's where um, I prayed for the needs of the business, my needs. And then from there, I went to, I am a Christian who happens to be a businessman. And what does that look like? And that is somebody that um, I've got a, an, an attitude that I've got a lot. God will give, give out what you have. God will always replenish what you need. And, and it's a huge it was a, a stepping process that I saw happen because, <clears throat> like I said, starting out basically a pagan and then working my way and finding Christ, I, I see the whole visual. And it's like, I never want to go back to that uh, ever again. And um, with anything, and uh, even to the point now, I mean, we sold the business last year. I wrote my book, uh, but I still go to you know, I go to daily mass as much as I can. Uh, God is a big part of my life. Um, you know, I injected God into the, into two men in the truck uh, for many years, uh, be, you know, before we sold it. And I, and through the business, we brought some people to Christ. So it was really, really satisfying. Yeah. It's a really cool story. Um, it's almost the story of redemption, you and then the business and, and then the outcomes of the business along the way. Um, it is. And I wish, to tell your listeners too, um, yeah, it sounds like a happily ever after story, right? Um, but we're still broken and we can still go back um, to those things. And uh, we have to always, that's why I've got to go to mass. Um, you know, we've got pride issues. Uh, many of us do. We, we fight our own egos daily. And uh, not only do we, that's just the human brokenness part of it, but uh, Satan likes to poke that beast, um, our egos. And so we have to keep ourselves it, you know, we have to keep ourselves humble. Uh, we have to help help others. And when we start straying away from that, when I hear people say, yeah, I go to church once a week, it's like, how's that work for you? I mean, because try going to the gym once a week yeah. for 50. How's that going to change you? I, and I'm not preaching to people. That sounds really preachy. That's the question I ask myself is, no, I, I need I need more than that. I need more than that. 
What does your intimacy with the Lord look like these days? Oh, um, you know, first of all, I was praying in the morning, praying at night. Now I have, um, I have conversations on, on all aspects of all thoughts that I have constantly. Um, it, when I try to intertwine my, my, my life with that. And when you do that, um, the Holy Spirit will talk to you. Now, if you start hearing voices, go see somebody, right? It's not one of those. Um, but drops um, messages and thoughts on, on your, in your head and it will help you direct yourself, but you have to have a good relationship with him. You have to learn to calm yourself because God's voice will only be heard. Uh, and it's very, very quiet. And when you start, when he starts to drop thoughts on you and, and you start living your life in a more proactive way, when I see people running their businesses or running their lives reactively, it's, it's really, it's just a, a drain on people to do that. And so it's, it's really good to humble yourself, listen to God. He has a reason for you to be here. You were brought here by God and he has, he's given each of us specific talents. You can find it in the back of a moving truck. I did. It doesn't have to be, you know, like society will look at things and go like, you have to be this or this to be successful. That's BS. Take what's in front of you and, and be the best at that. You know, and I would tell the movers when I'd go talk to them, it's one of my favorite things to do is I would say, raise your hand if it was your goal in life to be a mover. It's like, wow, nobody. You mean at night, like when you were a kid, you didn't, before the streetlights turned on, you didn't raise your hand and say, it's my turn to be the mover, darn it. You know, <laughs> you know, no, it's like me either. But while you're here, be the best that you can be. Mm. You know, it's like, I'll raise your hand if you've been here for four months or less, you know, half the hands go up. So, you know, your job is basically to fold moving pads and sweep out the back of the truck. Can you be the best at that? That is your square. I'm looking at the squares behind you. That one of those squares is, that is your area of influence. If you be the best at that area of influence, it's going to go to two squares yeah. and three, then four. And what that is, is that's called building a career. And a lot of times we build career with Carhartts and boots. And I don't know if you know what Carhartts are over there, but Carhartts are just a workman's coat and, and a pair of leather boots. And you just keep pounding the rock and good things happen. And you start learning stuff like I did, how I learned to, to listen to people as a mover, how it helped me to be a good marketer of franchises. Um, and they, one thing leads to another. And I ask him, I go, how many of you have been, have gone to college? And actually quite a, like a third of them have taken classes or, or graduated. I said, why do you go to college? They go, to make money. And I went, no, 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 that doesn't work that way. Why, how does that work? And they go, well, you learn stuff. And then in college, you get a, you know, you get a, a, a certificate and then you can go and get a job. And I said, why can't you do that here? We're going to teach you to manage people, time, money, and equipment. Okay. We've got half of our franchises, Wes, started out on the trucks or on the phones. Several of those franchises run multi-million dollar operations. They don't have college degrees. Isn't that phenomenal? And the thing is, is how does that work? It's because they, they treat their job like it's college, not like mm -hmm. it's some lump job. And the great part is they've got college educated people that report to them, CPAs, yeah marketing people, and IT people. Yeah. And 
But if I took any of those franchises and put them in front of you and said, this guy does not have a college degree, you'd never know it. He or she. We got a lot of women uh, that run these things as well. Mm. So it's one of the things I like to tell the movers. I like to tell people on the outside. And that's really what my book is about, too, is it's about the, the weird breaks that I had in my life. And my book does not really dictate. My life doesn't dictate a book. But what it does is it shows anybody that reads my book can look at their own life and look at their own challenges and heartbreak and despair that they've had. It's like, turn that around. Those are that what you learn from those are things that you can use to better your life down the road. There's some people out there that are so unlucky. They're so broken down. It's like time out. Do you know how much things that you've learned from that? Use that stuff to build your life up. You're not unlucky. You're lucky. You're fortunate. But if you're going to sit there and wallow in it, not use it, you will be a nobody. But God puts, you know, he allows challenges in our lives to make us better. Iron sharpens iron. And that is what happened to me. Well, I'm just letting you, I'm just letting you preach, Brink, because you're bringing, a, you're bringing a great message here for us right now. <laughs> um, I just did some quick maths, right? There's a story in the Bible of the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, where Jesus gives thanks, takes five loaves and feeds 5,000 people. That's a 1,000 times X. You started with $200 truck. Now, I don't know what you sold the business for, but if it's more than $200,000, then you got a bigger gain than that miracle. And so I just want to celebrate the miracle that the Lord did in your life and your business because, you know, it, it, you know your story is as you laid your life down, which is what we're meant to do, right? And probably picked it up a few times like we all do, right? As you laid your life down, the Lord was able to multiply the outcome. And that's, that's why I love your story and your humility. And that's why I love this show, because I get to have conversations with people that I never would have done and showcase that that's a real reality in 2022-23, to be able to walk out these kind of miracles with the Lord. And so I really appreciate you. I watched it happen in my life. I watched my life change and I, I pinched myself in it and we sold a business for a lot of money. And if, if this was all BS, I would just go play golf in Hawaii. I would go fish. I would go, you know, within reason, I can do most anything within reason. It's like all that stuff is garbage. When you start to see, how your life has been transformed and then how we can take these things and get other people to, to start looking at, at this. We've got a lot of problems in our world, but let's, let's micro things down and make our own little worlds better. You know what I mean? Uh, what's the title of your book? The book is called moving forward. Yep. A, a stick man's journey for hope and meaning. That's Love the cover it. rate. And, um, yep. and we can buy that from your website or Amazon or something. Amazon. Yeah. All right, we'll obviously put a, we'll put a graphic up and we'll put a, a link in the show notes so people can go straight to the book and go buy it. Oh, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, there's a, it goes, there's things that we talked about. Wes, thank you for the questions that you asked. You dialed in. We got a lot covered in this amount of time because of the work that you put in before. Um, but the book goes into a lot more details. I'm a storyteller, so there's a lot of stories in the book. Um, but what I want your listeners, if they do get the book, yeah, I mean, enjoy what happened in my life. But more importantly, uh, look for where the things that are happening in their lives. Those painful things are like, oh, I could use that. You know what I mean? Or 
uh, some things that some of those challenges, if we didn't have them, we would have never grown to where we are. Yeah. And we all have them. Yeah. Cool. So we'll promote the book um, and I'll go and get a bunch of copies. Um, there'll be people that are listening to all of what we just said and it inspires them and they're prepared to face another week. There actually could be some people that listen to this and go, that's too big for me or I can't see myself doing that or you know, possibly second guess them building a business for the Lord. What would you say? Give us some, give us some final encouragement. Give us a bit of a charge. You know, people are sitting on a, they're running on a treadmill, sitting on a lawnmower, going for a run, whatever, right now, listening to this. What would you say to them? You know what? At least in our country, there's so many people that want to eat the frosting, but not even take the time to make the cake. All right. Find the journey, the excitement of, of building. I mean, like when we did our first move, it was, it was a big deal. Okay. When we got our first 26 foot truck, it was a big deal. Celebrate those little things. You don't eat an elephant all at once. You'd eat it a bite at a time. And so slowly work your way into that and pray about every single thing. Uh, one of the things I prayed about when I was hiring people is right before an interview, I would pray. I said, God, open our, our minds and our hearts so we know this person and this person can know us and let us know if this is the right person. Pray over every little aspect of that business. Celebrate every little bit of it. Keep your head down and pound it and grind. Don't, also don't look around and see where do I compare to somebody else? Don't do that. And another thing too, Wes, is be very careful who you hang out with. Be very careful who you spend time with. You are the average of your five best friends. And what you need to do is take a look. If you're not happy with where you are, you need to disengage some of those friendships that you had. Because some of them, I'm not saying about somebody that's you know, having a hard time, you stick with them. But some people just bring unneeded drama in your life. Get rid of them. And start aspiring to be uh, like other people. I've got friends now, two of them, they're my best friends. I'm a 59 year old dude. I didn't even know these guys when I was 50. These guys are, two of them are like my best friends now yeah. and they make me better. Um, it doesn't mean they're saints. They're wickedly funny. Um, their language is a little bit nasty, but they're, they make me better. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not talking about they got halos on their heads, but, uh, but, but they do honor uh, my, my work ethic, my marriage, and my God. And if they don't honor those things, I don't want them near me. Yeah, love it. So it just, your listeners, just if you're on your treadmill, in your mind, think of who your friends are and are they making you better or not? No matter what. Yeah, you are a massive blessing. Um, you know, to me, just listening to you and getting to chat with you and obviously our listeners. Um, so I just want to appreciate you. Thank you so much uh, for doing all of the hard work that you did over all those years. You know, all those early years of hauling people's, you know, stuff. Um, but, you know, giving us some time today, you know, uh, without this podcast, I never would have had a chance to have a chat with you or as we say in Australia, a yarn, have a yarn with you, you know, just just wouldn't have yeah. happened. And, and, uh, and I'm better for it. I'll be a better businessman in a small way because of this chat. And, uh, and I know our listeners will too. So I really appreciate you. All right. Thank you, Wes. Thanks for the opportunity. So guys, I hope that was really valuable to you. And uh, I know there'll be a bunch of things in there. But like always, there's no point in learning something new if you don't do something about it. So like always, I want you to go to the comments section, uh, wherever you're watching this, listening to this, 
and just put in there, right, what was the top one thing that Briggs said that you're gonna execute on to help you build your business. All right, guys, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Kingdom Business Podcast.